And we are recording. Yay! We are recording. Did you want Yay. me to share an outline on screen or do you have it? You I have it. Okay, cool. I have it. Yay! So, all right, let me close out of all the things that make noise because I know Facebook Messenger and Hangouts are very loud. They are very loud. Last week, that's what I was freaking out about. Like every time mm -hmm. something would go off during a short story long. And then I was listening to our playback and I'm like, oh wait, no one can actually hear the sound effects on this end because I had my headphones in. Yeah, but it distracts me a little bit. Like, yeah. like on my end, like I'm not being passive aggressive, but it's like, oh. that's the sound of someone messaging me something stupid and unrelated, probably a meme. Yes, that's, a, that's why I was freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone needs to calm down right now. And then I'm like, wow, it just sounds like I've lost my mind officially. I mean, I mean you know. We're, my, uh, my boss told me like, hey, we've been working from home for like five weeks. And I'm like, if you told me we've been doing this since the dawn of time, I'd believe you. That's actually like, a coworker yesterday during our conference call is like, oh, hey, yeah, the, well, our, congratulations, you guys made it through your fourth week and we're going, what? Time has no meaning. It's a lie. Yeah, like time has, at this stage, time is an illusion that helps things make sense. Which, yes, I did just quote Rebecca Sugar. I like Rebecca Sugar. I think she's fine. My kid loves Steven Universe. That's where that's coming from. I um, also think that that's fine. Okay. <laughs> I have strong opinions that I mostly keep to myself because I don't like getting lumped in with the people who don't like Steven Universe because they're just homophobes or stupid. Ah, uh, gotcha. So, like, I tend to just sort of, like, eat a lot of that angst because, like, I have genuine representation issues with Steven Universe. Like, I don't like its perpetuation of predatory romance and queer people. Like, I think it has, like, some serious storytelling flaws. Um, but, like, I tend to just sort of eat that most of the time because I don't like getting lumped in with you. Like, I don't like it because those space rocks are kissing. It's like, shut up. Shut, shut up. So, welcome to Unfortunately Required Reading. Yes, welcome. This week we are covering The Hobbit. Yes. By J.R.R. Tolkien. Yes, which we decided to do mostly because uh, I think we were a little bit, uh, we've been looking for balms in this uh, tired and trying time. So yes. we decided on The Hobbit, which I actually forgot is in no way relaxing for me. I'm like, yay, fantasy adventure in a world that I'm not in. Oh, wow, this world, I forgot how complicated it is. Yeah, like, I, I forgot that I don't find Tolkien relaxing, so I didn't have a bad time, spoiler alert, um, it definitely wasn't as fantastical as I would have liked. It kind of put me in, like, a weird existential head place that we can talk about later. I felt like I am an underachiever when I'm <laughs> writing. That's kind of where that, that came from. I always feel like an underachiever because Mary Shelley exists. That's true. All right. So we're both, as we've been doing for the past several episodes, recording from our own homes. We are. So what are you drinking today? So I have Behringer Red Moscato. I've been drinking a lot of sweet reds. I don't know why. I don't know if, like, my body senses that I'm turning 30 soon and it's, like, desperately trying to appreciate red wine. Um, but I've been drinking a lot of sweet reds. I have sourdough bread, and I actually picked up some Delice. I have some Delice on the cheese plate today, uh, because in the 
pantheon of all of the meals that hobbits eat. Actually, cheese is a pretty big part of it. Uh, it's usually a decent meal for like second breakfast or like 11s or even tea. So I decided to go a little bit lighter also because I have one of the manifestations of my pandemic panic has been vast overeating. So I have been trying to like not go ham because I will go ham. <laughs> yeah, I did the thing that everyone else has been doing and I made banana bread. Yeah, banana bread seems to be it. My husband was like, oh, banana bread sounds good. And so I went to this, when I went to the store, one of our like major runs where I wear the mask and feel like we live, we die, we live again. Mm -hmm. um, I bought bananas and I put them on the counter. He's like, are you making bread? Are you making bread? I'm like, I'm making bread. Calm down. <laughs> so I did it yesterday in between phone calls, like mm -hmm. mixed it up. And I got to tell you, when you're in a really bad mood, even like when you're just smelling it for 45 minutes while you're baking, you're like, okay, maybe the world isn't so bad. Yeah, I was gonna make um, I was gonna make elven bread, but I was lazy and didn't feel like it. Also, yeast is hard to find, but mm -hmm. I am thinking I'm making sourdough because you don't need yeast for sourdough. You just have to get a starter, right? You have to make a starter, or you can, or I have learned you can ask a bakery if you can have some of their starter. So, like, if there's a bakery that you really, really like, you can say like, "Hey, I really like your sourdough. Can I have like some of your starter?" And some small bakeries will sometimes oblige. So like, don't go to H-E-B and ask for their starter because I guarantee, like, they don't have it. But, like, yeah. if there's a small bakery that you really, really like and support and that is still open, um, and as long as you're not a dick about it, like, you can probably ask them about some of their starter and they might give it to you. Like, uh, a lot of um, pizzerias are like that, too. Like, if there's a pizza place and you really like their dough, like, you can probably ask them, like, hey, can I, like, buy some of your dough so I can, like, make focaccia or something like that at home and there are um there's a lot of people who say like with pizza a lot of the flavoring is based on the water which is why people get really weird about their dough from new york and chicago and stuff like that um yes and no it's more of the minerals in the water that's probably contributing a lot to that yeah. and also the flour i would say that's probably more about flour than it is water gotcha. so if you're using like bread flour, if you're using AP, if you're using double zero, like I think you would probably, if you're using Italian flour, I think you're probably not really tasting the water. I think that's kind of a myth because like you see that like with bagels, like, oh, you can't get like a California bagel. It's like, oh, shut up. Like it's, no, like it has not, it has nothing to do with that. So that was so, Amanda's baker talk. The baking corner. What is it? Necessary Whole Foods runs? Yep. So I made Gandalf Grog, which I stole off drunkenmoogle.com, which mm -hmm. is amazing. And it's, it's amazing. Um, Myers Dark Rum, lime juice, one tablespoon brown sugar, and then you put a cup of hot water in it. Mm -hmm. Sorry, it's two, it's two ounces of Myers, but I think I probably poured a little heavy. Mm -hmm. And it is freaking delicious. Cool. Out of our official, unfortunately required, reading travel mug. Shameless plugs. Yeah, available on Redbubble. So that's actually a, a riff on the Navy Grog that I would have made uh, for Lord of the Flies, but I didn't feel like fucking around with hot water. Um, so that's interesting. That's that's interesting and probably is hearkening back to some of uh, Tolkien's military time. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming so is in the notes for, uh, for, for them. Kind of, kind of a little bit. Um. <laughs> so so, so am, I, am I smarter than that website? Uh, than what website? 
than the one you got the recipe from? Oh, I just stole it off of Pinterest. So oh, well. I just did the quick click to get their uh, recipe. Uh, said, Thank you. I saved it. I will link you directly back in our website. So. Cool. Which I do. So. Easier. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Wait, we have to do a cat check. Are there cats? There are no cats in here right now. They may be in a little bit later. River was sleeping. Binks was also mm -hmm. sleeping. Nemo was mm -hmm. planning Binks's demise. As he usually is. He gets this like grumpy noise and it, we all go, Nemo, like, you're afraid of people. You're not going to kick your brother's ass. Calm down. Right, and also, like, I'm pretty sure Binks is, like, significantly larger than Nemo. Yes, he's about twice the size of Nemo. Nemo heard his name, and then now he's here. Come here. Yes! Elusive cat, come to the camera. He's like, no, I'm gonna be over here. You want Scritch? And then River like, is just us. <laughs> right, and then River is just a small baby angel. She's a sweet baby angel who sleeps most of the time and just accepts Scritches and kisses and has her own little ritual of every time my husband takes a shower, she needs to be held afterwards because he is warm. I don't know, she's I weird. I mean, fair, fair and valid. She screams at him, it's hysterical. I, I secretly miss her screaming. Oh, we, I said that. we had a little bit of housekeeping for our listeners, right? We do, we do have some housekeeping. Um, so remember how we said we were going to have a live show and that got canceled because there's a pandemic. Um, MizumiCon is great and has decided that they were going to take that convention online and virtual. So unfortunately required reading will be a part of Stay Inside Con. Uh, details are still a little bit up in the air. From what I know, we should still have like our original panel time. We will update y'all as soon as we possibly can. Tori has a cat on her butt. Mm -hmm. um, no, there's a cat crawling on me. <laughs> sorry. Tori has a cat on her butt. Uh, and he's great. Show you. Yeah. You. Um, <laughs> so as soon as we have more information about that, we will. But uh, so we're the show will go on for us. We'll probably be recording that audio, and we'll probably be in the comments during a uh, stay inside con, answering your questions. Uh, which means that we'll probably announce. Uh, well, I think we said we we're going to keep the book we cover a surprise for the live show. We would let mm -hmm. our audience know in the moment. Uh what we're covering. So I'm very excited that we don't really have to um, skip doing this live show. I know it was a big deal for both of us to kind of have like our first convention experience. It kind of, you know, it obviously sucks not doing it in person because, you know, we'd love to meet all of you and stuff like that. But I am glad that, um, you know, we still get to do it. Your cat is looking at me like a mighty lion stalking its prey. Yep, that's, that's his job. Where are you? There, uh, can you see him? I can see I him. Him? Oh, he's great. I can feel his, I can feel his eyes. He's like, who is this? Wait, it's just the computer screen. It's, I must be safe. Where are you, also, what are you doing? Also, <laughs> Kat, you know who I am. You've seen me. I've tried to pet you, and then he's, you run away. He's made of pure terror. He's pre-adventure Bilbo Baggins. I mean, but like rightfully so. I mean, the outside world is scary and full of danger, as we've learned. <laughs> Danger zone. No. I'm trying to figure out at what point in time today the grocery store will not be horrifying, but um probably at no point in time. Yeah, I'll go at like seven o'clock, like right before they close it because they close at eight. I have yeah. to go to Walmart today. Oh, why? Stuff. Stuff things. Yeah, wish me luck. 
I I'll do. be sure to let you guys like know that I made it back alive. All right, let's launch into this. Mm -hmm. Today's short story long about The Hobbit. And if mm -hmm. you know Tolkien, everything is long. Anyway, Bilbo Baggins is a small humanoid creature known as a hobbit. He lives a peaceful life eating, rocking out with his furry toes, and hating his relatives. Hobbits is- Same. <laughs> Same. Hobbits as- well, I love my relatives, but not some of- anyway, we'll, we'll, we're not going into that. Hobbits as a rule avoid adventure. This ends when a wizard named Gandalf, known for fireworks and causing general trouble, shows up and invites 13 dwarves into the, the hobbit's home. First of all, rude. One of these yes. is descended from, one of these dwarves is descended from a king who royally fucked up. His name is Thorin Oakenshield. Gandalf has told the dwarves that Bilbo is a master burglar and that he's going to help them get his treasure back from a dragon named Smog. In short, I honestly never realized how much of a dick Gandalf was until I read this. You leave Gandalf alone. I think I told you, he's like the drunk friend that gets you into trouble somehow disappears while you're figuring things out and then comes back and yells at you because you try to set boundaries i mean yes but he's also a weird and crazy wizard and pretty much anyone who uses magic in this universe is weird and crazy radagast the brown cough cough <laughs> oh radagast but that makes me do oh radagast instead of radagast and we're done there that's a flashback from a disney movie that like five people have seen Okay. Okay, so right after everybody heads out, they are captured by hungry trolls, except for Gandalf. Gandalf tricks the trolls, and they end up turning into stone in the sunlight. Mm -hmm. The group finds a shit ton of magic swords, and Bilbo even gets his own tiny little stabby stab. Um, the rest of, they end up resting at the stronghold of Rivendell. They speak with Elrond, the great elf lord, who I now can only ever picture as Hugo Weaving. He lets it's them fine. <laughs> and gives them advice. The group goes across the Misty Mountains, which they sing about at the beginning. They find shelter in a cave because it's snowing like crazy, and a group of goblins who live in the caverns take them prisoner, you know, because mm -hmm. you walked into their house. Yes. Gandalf leaves the dwarves to a passage out of the mountains, but as they're going out, Bilbo gets knocked off of one of the dwarves' shoulders and is knocked unconscious. He ends up wandering in the tunnels, and Bilbo finds a weird gold ring and puts it in his pocket. He then encounters mm -hmm. a weird, creepy creature thing called Gollum. Gollum wants to eat Bilbo, but they have a contest of riddles. Bilbo mm -hmm. freaks out because he can't think of it many more riddles and just exclaims, what's in my pocket? Mm -hmm. Gollum can't answer that riddle and wants to eat Bilbo anyhow, but Bilbo puts on the magic ring and suddenly goes invisible. Mm -hmm. Well, that's cool. It is. He climbs past the goblins and finds a tunnel out of the mountain and runs back into the dwarves. They only feel a tiny little bit shitty that they left him behind. Evil mm -hmm. wolves, aka wargs, which is mm -hmm. really fun to say, chase after them, but Bilbo and the others get help to safety by a group of eagles and Bjorn, who can change from man to bear. Also super neat. Sure. The group enter the forest of Mirkwood, and Gandalf fails to do other stuff, because I felt like he probably went on a really shitty wizard Tinder date. Like, can you imagine that? I can. That's a problem. With, with Sauron? <laughs> I just don't think this is going to work. You keep wanting to put your white hands on me. Anyway, I will write that fan fiction. Someone pay me to write that fan fiction. The dwarves get caught in a web of giant spiders in Markwood, which is creepy, and Bilbo has to rescue them with his magic sword and ring. They escape the mm -hmm. spiders, and Bilbo ends up naming his sword Sting. Aww. Not the musician. Anyway, they get that would be even better if he just pulled out Sting from his pocket. This just reminds me of, like, 
to make an uncomfortable metaphor, which I feel like we'll have to cross this bridge, like Game of Thrones, where like you can feel that George R. R. Martin feels so clever with his naming, like oh, the Mormont sword is called Longclaw. Oh, the Bear Tribe has a sword called Longclaw. You fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. You're welcome. So they finally escape the spiders, but they get captured by wood elves who have no time for dwarf shit because they had a bad, 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 bad history with them. Bilbo helps them escape in barrels floating down the river. I mean, I think we've all kind of done that before. <laughs> no. The dwarves end up at Lake Town, a human settlement in the shadow of the Lonely Mountain, the same mountain where the dragon Smog is keeping Thorn Oakenshield's treasure, or what he thinks is his treasure. Mm-hmm. Dick. Bilbo has a conversation with Smog, who accidentally reveals that he has a weak spot in his scales near his heart, which is very dumb. Bilbo mm-hmm. steals a golden cup and Smog is pissed. He flies out and starts to burn down Lake Town because it's close to his range. Bard, an archer, learns about Smog's weakness and fires an arrow into the dragon's heart. Before he dies, Smog completely mm-hmm. fucks up Lake Town. Mm-hmm. Lake Town's human and Mirkwood's elves march into the Lonely Mountain to check out the treasure as compensation for their losses, which I feel is fair. Mm-hmm. But Thorin Oakenshield loses his fucking mind after Oving- having to share his treasure so the humans and wives trap the dwarves and hobbits inside the mountains. Mm-hmm. Bilbo is over this shit and wants to go out and join the humans and bring peace, so he sneaks out. Thorin loses his shit because Bilbo snuck out, and Gandalf <laughs> waltzes back in to save Bilbo from their dwarfy wrath. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, goblins and wargs march on the mountain to attack everyone, mm-hmm. so everyone has to team up to kick their asses. The goblins almost win, but Bjorn shows back up with eagles and helps. Mm-hmm. After the battle, Bilbo gets back to Hobbiton and is no longer considered acceptable by Hobbit society because he went on adventures. He no longer gives a shit because he's straight gangster who kills shit and doesn't have time for weak assholes who steal his silverware and talk crap. So mm-hmm. Bilbo now prefers hanging out with elves and wizards. And his husband, Thorin Oakenshield. <laughs> Which is played by Richard Armitage in the film. Yes. He's very pretty, but does not play for my team. He's also the great red dragon in Hannibal, so it's really hard for me to, like, handle that anymore um i'm fine with it i think we'll talk about the movies and the the movies plural unfortunately in a little bit but um it's weird going back and forth with martin freeman like seeing him in like literally any other role because it's like i don't i don't know where you belong like i don't know if you belong in the office i don't know if you belong in sherlock i don't know if you belong in the hobbit you don't belong in the MCU. Like, that's one that I can agree on. Oh, him, not him wandering there. around Wakanda, like, freaks me out every time. I'm like, are you there to steal shit? And his horrible American accent. <sighs> he's trying. He's no, he's no Hugh Laurie. No, he's not. No, I love whenever Hugh Laurie comes out to, like, an American award show, and he speaks in his accent. People freak out. Same thing with Christian Bale with his Welsh accent. People are like, what the hell is happening? Well, Hugh Laurie was weird for me because, like, I grew up on Black Adder. Like, my my parents watched a horrifying amount of British comedy. So, like, I, like, somewhere in my mind's eye, I knew Hugh Laurie. And then I started watching House. And, like, I guess because I was older, I kind of forgot. And then it's like, who is this guy? Like, I feel like I've seen him. They're like, it's the same fucking guy. <laughs> like, what happened? 
that is kind of fun when you're watching movies and like somebody's well I'm not talking about Hugh Laurie but like other actors have aged like 50 years and you're like why do I know this guy oh because I watched the 70s animated version and I'm going why is Bilbo sounds so familiar and it's because he's played by Orson Bean and then there's a bunch of little background voices and stuff you're like Mm -hmm. that guy was in Chinatown Mm -hmm. and there's um Thoral Ravensloft who's or Ravenscroft who's like my favorite he's the guy who um did the voice of Tony the Tiger and more importantly a bunch of voices in the Haunted Mansion for Disneyland and Mm -hmm. Disney World because he's him audio but whatever it's amazing to me and I love him very very much and I'm listening and I go wait a minute I know that voice it's kind of like the same thing when I watch DuckTales with my kid and um Mark Evan Jackson is voices in the background and I'm like why is Sean on the show and my daughter gets really excited mm-hmm. anyway. no I have that with anime a lot um because every once in a while like American voice actors will do other stuff so it's like what are you doing in this commercial anime character that I've known for 20 years? Yeah, it's weird. It's really um, weird. Sidebar, I need to get this out of my system with House. Have you seen all of House? No. God damn it. I just have a question. Were House and Wilson supposed to be gay? Wilson is the guy who was from, um, all I can think of is the captain, my captain, Dead Poet Society? I believe so. Okay. He's the oncology doctor. Who yes. Um, I don't. I don't know. I honestly. The sweet innocent baby angel who keeps being taken for a ride in that series. Yeah. Is in what society? I can confirm. Okay. Okay. Because I've I've been watching a terrifying amount of House, which has nothing to do with The Hobbit. But like, the more I watch, and I'm like, were these two supposed to be gay? Is this like Criminal Minds, where like Spencer Reed and Morgan were supposed to be like bi for each other? and they cut that subplot out, but you can still see it in the dialogue. Like, was this supposed to be a thing? Because if this was supposed to be a thing, I would very much like for it to be a thing. And I feel like I'm actively missing out that this could have been a thing. I don't, don't know. That's fine. I feel like I, we I need to that. write to the producers of House and be like, we have questions. I, I feel like I need it does feel like a criminal mind thing because like I read that note about Spencer Reed where like he was supposed to be like super super bisexual and he was supposed to have a thing for um Morgan and for Hotchner actually so like if you listen to some of the dialogue where it's kind of like oh these guys are kind of close it's because it's supposed to be hinting at that storyline but that never really passed so it's like, was there like a secret gay cut of house that exists somewhere where these two men are like married? Because if there is like a Zack Snyder cut, please send that to me directly. Part of me I, feels like, like it's like the cat's butthole cut where it doesn't actually exist, but we all want it to. I think the cat's butthole exists does exist though. Oh no, man. I don't think that's a myth like the Snyder Cut. Like, the Snyder Cut is a myth. I think the butthole cut does exist somewhere, but I don't think it's as entertaining as anyone exists. Like, anyone, like, thinks it is. Like, I do think it's real. Here's the thing. If you have a cat, you don't need to see cat buttholes because the cats will show them to you all the time. This is true. Lord of the Rings-related note, we always Mm -hmm. refer to the cat's butthole as the Eye of Sauron. So... (laughs) You will hear my husband yell, get your eye of Sauron out of my face on a fairly frequent basis. I kind of hate you for that. 
You're welcome. I kind I I soft hate you for that. So when I actually woke up at 7:30 this morning, I was going to go on a whole thing about the hero's journey with Joseph Campbell and like refresh my memory on that. And then I fell do back. You want asleep. me to do that? That would be awesome because I fell back asleep and then got up and played Animal Crossing. So okay, so uh, I'm here. The I wear many drunk hats. Uh, I guess drunk philosopher, drunk baker, and now I'm here to be a drunk writing coach. I was gonna say or drunk English teacher. Oh no, I would. I mean, me as an English teacher, I can't imagine it. Like, I feel like I would either be, I feel like it would be like Dead Poet Society, where like to my class, I'd be amazing, but to like literally anyone else, it's like, who the fuck is this bitch? <laughs> so you would straight up be Tolkien. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Probably. So the hero's journey was um, envisioned or codified by Joseph Campbell. And it's this idea behind what he calls the monomyth. And where if you look at a lot of uh, folklore and mythology across cultures, there's a bunch of tropes and similarities behind storytelling. So the hero's journey as outlined by Joseph Campbell is as it says, the journey that most heroes in mythology go on, which usually involves a bunch of steps, which is like, a call to adventure, like meeting the princess, finding the magical object, rejection of the call. Like I love and hate the hero's journey because it basically ruins media for you because once you're aware of it, it's sort of like the matrix where now you see it everywhere. So like uh, Crash Course Mythology has a great breakdown of the hero's journey uh, hosted by Mike Rugnetta, who I adore. And I miss PBS Idea Channel quite a bit. Um, but there is a very, very good Crash Course Mythology video on the hero's journey. And it takes you through a couple of myths where it says, oh, wait, here is that, you know, call to adventure. It's really, really good. But that's the thing with the hero's journey is once you outline it and once you know it, it, it does make media kind of hard to go through. It's sort of like when you read a bunch of Shakespeare and you realize that, like, everything is based off of, like, the same three Shakespeare plays. Like, all popular media is based off of, like, some version of, like, Taming of the Shrew, Hamlet, or Romeo and Juliet. Or, like, when you rewatch Clueless as an adult, now knowing that it's an adaptation of Emma and you already know who's going to end up with who. Right. So, like, it's great. And if you are a writer slash critical reader, I think it's important for you to know about the hero's journey. Um, you can buy uh, any Joseph Campbell book. They are very, very recommended from me. But, mm -hmm. yeah, it will That's kind of, like it will kind of ruin media for you a little bit because it does feel a little like brain melty where you start doing stuff. And it's like, oh, right. Like, so my favorite example for that, honestly, is like Star Wars. Star Wars follows the hero's journey like to a T. So like, I definitely recommend you going through learning about the hero's journey and watch like any of like, so pretty much like any part of the trilogies, like watch the first movie and you will pretty much like beat by beat go through the hero's journey and it's a fascinating like media study so that's that's the hero's journey it's uh it's exciting so we have there's there's a lot of themes in this and a lot of most of them tie back into the hero's journey yes um one of the themes that i really like is the importance of leaving home and leaving your routine mm -hmm. and a lot of it is bilbo is very set in his ways there are certain things that he believes that aren't true, um, mm -hmm. especially about the other races in the community, about, um, you know, certain behavior, certain foods, 
songs other people sing, you know, Mm -hmm. what's actually out there. And the fact that he leaves and starts talking to wizards and starts talking to dwarves and elves Mm -hmm. and stuff. And he's like, actually, you're pretty good. And your wine is awesome. Let's hang out. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's something that's very important for the reader as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, even Tolkien or Tolkien was talking about how he based the hobbits off of middle class rural English people. Mm-hmm. And he goes, You will hundred percent see it. And then you'll go out and you'll see the other the other groups. And like it's just it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um there's also the you can't ever go home again. Yeah, um, which is actually like I related most to with this um, as someone who does kind of have like a bit of a fraught home life. um, That was something about Bilbo's experience that really, really resonated with me because honestly, like that part of the journey really felt like college for me. Like, you know, you went off, I went off to university. I learned so much about myself and about who I was separate from my family. Mm -hmm. Um, and I realized when I moved back that, like, the person that I had become after all of those adventures was not the same person who left. Like, the person who went to Austria and got drunk in Innsbruck and did all of this stuff, and, like, that person was not the same person who left all those years ago. And even now, like, if you read my blog, because I always do, like, a breakdown of my year and stuff like that, you'll usually see a lot of angst around the holidays because I have a really, really hard time going home. Um, So I really like on a molecular level kind of relate to that perverse sentimentality around what it means to be at home. Like um, my ex-girlfriend said this about me and it's one of like the scariest things that anyone has ever said because of its accuracy was, um, so like we were both really into Zodiac stuff and um, horoscopes and we're both cancers. It's weird because for me as a cancer, I was never really like a homebody. I was never like super, super attached to family. And like, that's pretty atypical for most cancerians. And my ex, my now ex-girlfriend, but girlfriend at the time was like, there is something in cancers that's more akin to like hermit crabs where they'll wander until they can find their home. And like that blew my mind. And it's like, that was really true because like at the time that I was feeling a lot of that like angst and ennui, I didn't feel like I was at home. So I think that's a really, really interesting symbol. Depending on when you're reading this, because I think when you were young, like sort of, I think Tolkien intended, you know, this is sort of like a fairy story meant for children, uh, as opposed to the Lord of the Rings, which is a fairy story meant for sad adults. Um, then you might, that might kind of go over your head, but if you're reading this, like I did when I was, like, college, high school, then that, like, sense of, I am more than my small hometown, and my family is mean to me, and sometimes, you know, you truly can't ever go home again for the first time. And there is that very big change that comes from like we were talking before, leaving your routine and leaving your home, yeah. because you learn things, you experience things, and you become a different person. Yeah. Now, there are always going to be traits that you've had that you developed as a young child and things like that that are still there, but you're 100% right on, um, on Tolkien with the way things are structured. The Hobbit mm-hmm. is much more easily accessible 
its design mm-hmm. because it was a story he was telling his children at night. And Lord of the Rings goes more into his desire to create his own pantheon and create his own English mythology mm-hmm. because he truly felt that the, the Welsh had a history of a mythology, the Irish had it, the Scots had it, everybody around them had it, but the English kind of just went, oh, we'll borrow from this and this and this, and it drove him crazy. And that's one of the reasons he was so addicted to things like Beowulf and stuff, because he's like, look, look, we can make this our identity. And I think he probably is turning over in his grave with the whole discovery of, actually, this is very, very much Norwegian and or Swedish and you know, the islands, or not the islands, they, you know what I'm talking about. You get to talk about, a. Uh, should we talk about Piltdown Man for a minute? Piltdown Man? Yeah. So Piltdown Man was a, uh, a fraud that oh yeah so england really wanted to find like you know the the missing link or they wanted like an english ancestor so piltdown man was a historical fraud that no one really knows who did it some people say sir arthur conan doyle did it i don't know i wasn't there but basically everyone blames things on doyle even in fantasy novels they're like oh well clearly he made this up because he believed in the fairies and you're like what I think out of anyone who did it, I would also probably blame Doyle, but I wasn't there, so I can't say anything. But basically, England wanted their own human ancestor. France had the Neanderthal. Everyone had their thing. England didn't have one. So some people, possibly Conan Doyle, decided that we were going to make an ancestor, and some teeth were discovered and, like, some bits of skull. Turns out it was a cricket bat, because it doesn't get much more English than that. That is, that's super English. And it took, like, many, many years to discover the fraud. But, like, I love that because I, as much of, like, a UK fan that I am, I'm also keenly aware that, like, they're conquerors. And I don't want to say that they don't have a culture, but they don't have a culture. Because, like, Americans do that. Like me, beneath a bunch of posters from anime, I'm desperately seeking a culture because I'm not black enough to be black, but I'm also definitely not white. So let's be like weirdly Japanese. Is this like how I'm learning Russian? Yeah, like it's, <laughs> so it's called cultural abandonment. I'm like, oh, this is fun. And then I'm just like yelling things like be as dick in the middle of the living room. And the bad thing is my kid is picking him up. So I'm very thankful that Texas schools are closed for the rest of the year. Because right. otherwise she'd be yelling sukabliyat at people all day long right and i would get calls from the principal's office so it's called cultural abandonment that is stop it no that's just in case her mom listens because i love her mom we are we are friends uh so cultural abandonment is a thing that's what that is uh but yeah like that's that's what always kind of reminds me was like we need our own mythology it's like then stop stealing it from everyone else like stop stop making the welsh angry I'm going to save us from our 30-minute Elgin Marbles screaming rant about are, the British Museum. You? I'm not going to go into it us? here because I, I love us, and I, uh, there have been plenty of an amazing articles about why they need to be returned. End uh, of story. End of story. The only justification I, is it belongs in a museum. Yes, they are not a third-world country. Greece can make a museum. I have a slight hot take on that. I have a very slight hot take on that. I think I'm Scottish, so I like anything that we can do, right? (laughs) Well, and I'm still trying to marry a Scottish person. So 
I think for some of this stuff, at this stage, it is too difficult to return some of it. I think anything involving remains needs to go back, though, unless that person consented. I think almost anything involving remains needs to return to land of origin. But if it's just, like, stuff, like, soft, I'm okay with it. Soft. But, like, I'm, I'm very much getting to the point that unless there is, like, this body is on loan or this person consented, I think if it can be moved, because some of this stuff can't be moved, that should either be interred somewhere sacred or we need to like go through categorically and start saying, hi, can we have this one? Can we have this one? You want that one back? Okay, you can have that one. Like it needs to be a bit like a divorce where we go through all of the bodies everywhere and we decide who stays with mom for Christmas and who stays with dad for Thanksgiving. I will say 100% though, ceremonial Native American items need to be returned to the tribes unless we have their permission. Yes, I agree. Flat out stole their headdresses, stole their prayer dolls, stole many, many things that were not sold to the white man. And we're done. And this is coming from the whitest person you know, because, like, I'm translucent on the screen. Yes. I'm an actual person of color. I will echo that. Um, So that's uh, some some, uh, hot-taking museum talk. Uh, Do you want to talk about the little guy making a big difference? Do you want to skip right into race and bravery? I want to talk about the little guy making the big difference. Um, You say to someone who is shorter than you. I know. This is... um, very much the concept of the underdog the and this is something americans we love we grasp onto it we claim it as our own because we saw ourselves as the underdogs against the english the english were like this was a minor skirmish the revolution we don't care we don't have time or money to deal with you make your own country whatever in all fairness when england got the chance they burned the white house down right so i mean i didn't say there wasn't well okay the Canadians, technically, I don't want to talk about the War of 1812. <laughs> this is why they're always saying sorry to us. Hmm? This is why they always say sorry to us. No, they don't apologize. If you ask an French actual Canadians Canadian, don't. French yeah. Canadians don't. Yeah. French Canadians will make fun of you to your face in French when you yeah. slide and fall down on their sidewalks. Right. I, I like, know many the, people. The French Canadians are very proud of the fact that they burned the White House to the goddamn ground. I did a French Canadian for a year, so can confirm. But uh, what I think is fascinating about that is like, I never really considered Bilbo to be an underdog. And that might just be because he's never framed as one. Like he has because of his intelligence and his cunning and like that. He usually has the upper hand in most scenarios. And because he's surrounded by a bunch of dwarves, his height usually isn't a thing either. It's like this whole weird framing of like him as an underdog never really made sense to me. Like it's his story. He's the Hobbit. He's going to be fine. We hope Um, he's fine. He's fine. All right. So this is a, a big one we talked a little bit about, but race and bravery. So this is actually a place where I don't like Tolkien very much is because he is pretty much responsible for a lot of our uh, fantasy racism. Oh, He's, like how the dwarves are selfish and spoiled and clearly Scottish? 
right? And how pure and Aryan and beautiful the elves are. Like, there's, and how monstrous and not so unlike those Mongol types the orcs are. Like, and how the wood elves are very different from the other types of elves because they're very, they stick to their own guns and their own people, like the French. Right. So, like, I kind of don't like this because. So I talk a lot of like framing and coding and coding is this thing where like you can tell a lot about even fantasy characters just based on how they act uh, because we all have this like short hands in our brains that are based really in stereotypes and stuff. So like look at alien races in Star, uh, Star Wars or in Star Trek. You can probably still tell a lot about like what this character is kind of meant to be as a real world analog just based Jar- on coding. Jar Jar Binks is a Jamaican? Yeah or just like a dumb black basically. Uh, there's that horrible Jewish stereotype alien in the prequels. <laughs> That's a big old yikes. It's like, yikes. And again, like, they don't have to say that this character is supposed to be like that. You can just tell. And I'd be, and it's shocking how young you can tell because stereotypes are a thing. But a lot of our fantasy, like, racism and coding comes from that. Um, there's a great Lindsay Ellis video about that where she talks about Bright, which is a hot, hot mess of a movie, where uh, the orcs are all, like, really, really black-coated for some reason. Like, they're super black-coated, and it's just like, fucking why? Why are you making them a minority like that? Like, it's, it's insane. But Is that yeah, like, that had Will Smith in it? Yes. Oh, okay. I didn't watch that. I just it's remember. bad. It's an actively bad movie. Uh, oh, oh, um, yes. what is it? Something Nine. Um, oh, come on. It had the guy from the remake of A-Team, who I love very much. The one where the guy gets turned into an alien and it's in South Africa, but you can totally tell that it's just coded, um, supposed to be as apartheid. Yeah. Which one? I know which one you're talking about. I had a shirt of it, too. Okay, apartheid alien movie. That's what I'm going to look up. <laughs> you probably get it. I'm going to laugh if it actually comes up. Will. District 9. First See? option. <laughs> That's what it is. It's like, it's just, it's an apartheid. She talked, Lindsay Ellis talks about that in the video as well. Um, but yeah, so like, coding is that. So we get a lot of fantasy coding from Tolkien because he really like laid the groundwork for that. Um, so it's kind of his fault. So for me as an African-American, I have a bit of a hard time with it. But like, you can tell a lot about the other races and how they feel about each other because they're very vocal about it. And it feels mm-hmm. like being with, like, your giant extended family during Thanksgiving and, like, you find out that one of your cousins is, like, high-key racist. And you always kind of knew your uncle was racist, but you just didn't know how much? This yeah. Is not, this does not apply in my family. It's um, also just not at least on my, my family. My, my dad's side of the family is, like, so open and so cool. So I'm not talking trash. I'm just saying, like... I, I think my favorite part of the podcast is uh, feverish backpedaling. Yes, my feverish backpedaling of dear family members who listen to this podcast. I'm just saying this as a generality. I'm not talking about you. I think that's I think that's our favorite Olympic sport right underneath running from the text. Yes. Is, is feverish backpedaling. I have a gold medal in running from the text. I probably play silver. Um, so that's, so, yes. Oh, I was going to say, so the race and bravery also ties into different worldviews and stage groups and, and things like that. Like we're Sure. About. Yeah, so there's a lot of, like, nature versus nurture stuff in there, too. So, like, elves being, like, immortal and not caring means that, like, they sit around and they don't care. 
Um, so I found out why that is last night because I was watching a bunch of videos on the ring and stuff. They were talking about how everybody had their little rings that were made off separately. Yes. As of all that. Well, yes. the elves kept theirs, which is why they kept their youth and beauty for as long as they did. Oh, you watched the CPG gray ones? Yes. The ones those were so down. good. I'm going to include those in, on the website as well. Um, as Amanda can probably see, I'm also taking notes now as we go through to make sure that anytime I say, we'll put that video on the website, I actually put that video on the website. I had just assumed there was a small earthquake. Um, oh, me yeah. my camera? <laughs> yeah, I just assumed it was a small earthquake and I had no questions. Uh, but yeah, and like, and that's true. We're noticing that in the U.S. during a pandemic is that you can tell like Texas's reply is very different than California and New York and even like county to county in texas like san antonio is handling this very differently than houston than dallas than austin because we have no economy outside of tourism so we're desperately trying to ignore science so we can open back up again because we have no economy outside of tourism austin still has their tech market and they already have people working from home before right they're doing a lot better mm -hmm. dallas I don't know much about Dallas. I know that's your... Some parts of Dallas are okay. Dallas proper is fine. The suburbs are suffering. So like where my family is from, they're not doing great. Uh, Because the suburbs are usually like, so like where I'm from specifically, we are basically just a tourist trap suburb outside of Dallas. So without the tourist trap stuff, we don't really have an economy but we still get to feed off of Tarrant County larger. So it's not as big of a deal. Um, but it still sucks a lot. Uh, but you can, I, you can definitely tell. And like, even just what I always love is like me and my friend group, because even though I'm from Texas, I'm from North Texas. And like, that has really shaped me. So like, especially here in South Texas, I come off like really imperious and really bougie and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you need to go to where I'm from. So you can see why I'm like this. And I will never forget. I took one of my best friends uh, to Dallas for the weekend. And like, we went to like all of my favorite dim sum places. We went to like all of the Asian markets that I go to. Cause I give San Antonio Asian food a really hard time for being garbage. And it's like, I need to show you why I'm like this. It's not just because I'm stuck up. It's not just because I'm an asshole. I need to show you the, le- the base level that I'm used to. And my friend, like we're driving into Dallas and we're under one of the overpasses and like, the trees are all perfectly manicured like all the medians are perfect there's like marble under one of the overpasses for like some reason and my friend is like i understand everything about you now i get it now I see like i get it happening. like i've 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 driven into your home area i always knew you were bougie and stuck up but like i never knew why and it's like no i get it i i completely understand and like i took her like my favorite korean barbecue place and it's like yeah everything else is trash like i i understand why you complain all the time it's like thank you so something that's really interesting about the text as well. Um, mm-hmm. Well, Tolkien had this, like I said, he, he was, had a very big heart on for creating languages. He uh, created Quenya, which is like the elf language. Mm-hmm. He wrote out entire books mm-hmm. of stories that had to do with Middle Earth. He went back and changed texts because he didn't feel that he had gotten the moon phases correct while writing certain passages. This man described the weather and the seasons to a T. Mm-hmm. Like the Cimmerillion will hit you upside the head. 
I um, love it. It's my favorite Tolkien. So something that's very important is naming. And there's a lot of naming, especially with swords and when they're renamed due to historic deeds. So there are, um, there's Ochris and Glamdring, there Thor that Thorin and Gandalf win from the trolls, and they those symbolize heroic deeds. Bilbo mm -hmm. names his sword Sting after killing a spider by, quote, stinging it. And that's a major turning point in the quest, showing his initiative and all that mm -hmm. stuff in his transformation. Mm -hmm. um, I, what I think is really funny is he has these categories and stuff like that that he drives. And then, like, you have Lord of the Rings, where he has the Ents, and he has Treebeard. And it's, like, mm -hmm. the funniest name. It's just Treebeard. And I found out last night that's because he based it off of C.S. Lewis. And... I, he, because he made fun of C.S. Lewis all the time. And he's like, yeah, you're big booming voice, dude. You're a tree. Bore everyone to death now, bro. Like, that's the kind of friends they were. <laughs> they were assholes, is what I'm hearing. Oh, they were jerks. Constantly. So, I, I love, I love that they were like frenemies. Like, I don't know why I love that as much as I do. I do genuinely love that, like, I think they kind of hated each other, but they also have loved each other probably what's crazy too is tolkien is partially responsible for c.s lewis going back into christianity because lewis was like i don't really it's have time fault. for this yeah so it's his fault that we have aslan but anyway um, so they were part of a group called the inklings and they would get together and talk about their works there was also i believe it was charles williams who was another fantasy writer so they're kind of and the folks that shaped fantasy for us now um, have the best nanorimo ever Yes, in all honesty, yes. So his full name was John Ronald Rule Tolkien. So there's a lot of back and forth about whether it's Tolkien or Tolkien. The British say Tolkien, so I'm going with that. Mm -hmm. He was born in South Africa. His mom took the kids back to England for school because she's like, I don't really trust us being in a foreign country right now. Mm -hmm. And then his dad ended up getting a horrible brain fever while still being in South Africa and passing away to the point where they had to bury him in South Africa. There was no way to get him back home. Mm -hmm. He had died from a disease that they didn't want to be communicable in England. So basically mm -hmm. they got a letter that said, oh, sorry, ma'am, your husband's dead. Mm -hmm. um, when they were still in South Africa, he was kidnapped as a baby for a single day and returned. Part of me wonders if he was able to talk and was like speaking in, in Quenya at them, but probably not. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say no, but they also don't say like what he was kidnapped for. So I'm kind of imagining it was like a brief Tarzan scenario, or like an eagle took him. Possibly the whole like flying on eagles returning you home thing. Yeah, like maybe it was like one of those like giant harpy eagles that I'm afraid of because they live in Africa and they do take children. Mm -hmm. so. so he was in World War One. Um, he ended up getting what was called trench fever and getting sent home very mm -hmm. early. All but still one fucked of, him up. <laughs> yeah, all but one of his best friends in the war passed away during mm -hmm. the war. So yeah, majorly fucked him up. He came back and he's like, well, I guess I get to figure shit out now. Mm -hmm. um, the book was published in 1937, The Hobbit. Um, and then, you know, things were super messed up in Europe. So it was very much considered a little bit of escapism. Um, he, we don't have an official date of when it was written. Mm -hmm. because he was telling the story to his kids and then went oh i should write that down um and so he added a bunch of background details and stuff like that there yeah, are so if you'll harken back to episode one when we talked a lot about like richard adams and we said that like richard adams is the least successful J.R.R. tolkien this is what we mean 
is like a lot of these a lot of the hobbit was fairy story that tolkien was telling to his children which fucking like that's amazing like shit um and then it was like oh crap let's write this down and have it make sense (laughs) so i will say there are so many awesome things i found out based on just reading bits and pieces of his biographies and listening to youtube videos and things like that Mm-hmm. He evidently was known as being a really big trickster and party guy. So he would show up to parties dressed up. One time he showed up dressed as a polar bear, which is amazing. And then he also used to chase his closest neighbor around while dressed as an Anglo-Saxon warrior. Why? I mean, why not? Now I'm like, maybe I'll go make a Viking outfit and just go chase my neighbor's kids around for like half an hour. That's how um, you end up shot or in jail or I mean, both. In Texas. Um, he was an Oxford professor. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that you might find interesting, Amanda, he was very, very Catholic. Woo! Um, he was, his mom converted when after they moved back to England, mm-hmm. and it ended up severely dividing their family, which was mostly Protestant. Mm-hmm. So they kind of got written out of a lot of wills and things like that, but he did have an uncle that made sure that they were taken care of after his mom died. Oh, well, that's nice. I mean, you can kind of see, like, some christian stuff within that and also um readers will know most catholicism is remarkably pagan there's also a lot of judaism principles in there as well like the one ring is often considered to be based off of solomon's ring mm-hmm. yeah but that's like also that. like that's also like a weird mysticism thing so like i would yeah. definitely specify that it's rooted in like a Judaic mysticism, which is, like, its own weird, like... Yeah, you know, and then you have, like, all the Second Temple texts and stuff mm-hmm. that, like, aren't not common knowledge anymore, which is why people get confused reading the Bible. Yep. So, I also love the fact that his lectures on Beowulf were part of the reason that Beowulf is still taught in English classes today and regained popularity, because evidently he would come in, smack the door open, and just start quoting Beowulf in, like, this very booming voice and the kids or not the kids but the college students were like this is pretty much the best thing i've ever heard Mm -hmm. tell me more and he translated this over and over and over and over until he thought he almost had it right and Mm -hmm. his son ended up publishing a version of it after he passed away because Mm -hmm. his dad was so obsessed with getting beowulf correct we kind of talked a little bit about that in our beowulf episode i think we talked a lot about that yeah um, one of the things that I love is evidently he was a notoriously bad driver. He sped everywhere. He stopped driving after he crashed into a wall. But when he was younger, he stole a bus so he'd go pick up his friends. <laughs> was he Ron Weasley? Evidently. Um, so I, I, he also worked on the Oxford English Dictionary. I know we're all surprised. And he formed a Viking club at Oxford, which I feel like we need to form a Viking club. No, we don't. Can I? You already told me I can't make any more podcasts. To do what? I don't know. Sit around in Viking clothes. Um, So, fur. You want to sit around in fur. So, I will say the sweetest, most romantic, stupid thing that I was reading about, and I was like, oh, like tearing up sitting on the couch. So, he ended up writing a love story, a, a fantasy love story about him and his wife Edith Mm -hmm. Um, they ended up meeting in a boarding house she was slightly older than him Mm -hmm. and he was living in a boarding house because at this point in time he had been orphaned she was orphaned they spent a lot of time together and then his guardian was like "Uh uh-uh 
You're not spending any time with this girl. She's older than you. She's got different prospects. You focus on your studies. You focus on the stuff you need to do. After you're 21, do whatever you want. So mm -hmm. on his 21st birthday, he met up with her and proposed to her. Aww. She dumped the guy she was engaged to already mm -hmm. and converted to Catholicism so they mm -hmm. could get married. That's sweet. Like, she's just like, yeah, no, I like you. You're cool. Um, on their tombstone, there has um, her name and then her fantasy name and then his name and his fantasy name. So it was Luthien and Baron. And Aww. I'm like sitting there reading about this last night going, oh my God, this is the sweetest thing. And then yelling, pick up your socks. <laughs> yeah, please don't put my fantasy name on my headstone. So there was a lot of popularity for both Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit in the 70s, especially in California. It kind of became a big cult following thing. So half of the dorms at UCI are named after Lord of the Rings locations, mm -hmm. locations from The Hobbit. I actually went to school, or my first freshman year dorm was in Whispering Wood. There is no Mordor. I asked specifically about that. And the Rivendell dorms used to be all female. I don't know if they still are. Mm -hmm. So today, now you know. Yes. All right. I have some listener questions. I don't know if you have listener questions too. Yeah, I added mine. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you added them. I see them now. They popped up. Okay. Hooray. Hooray. We had one from Michael, which is very fair. How does they get three movies, even though it's the shortest of all of the books? They didn't. Um, it was bad. Um. They added a character which was well, which wasn't right for the film at all. They added a lot of characters. They took a lot uh, from other texts. They fleshed yes. out a lot of things because they were like, "Hey, we made the first three movies. They did really good, and then we saw Harry Potter split off the last book into two movies, and mm -hmm. then we saw Twilight. Well, was Twilight before this? I think it was. Yes, it was. And then yes. they're, they're like well, we might as well split this into three movies. And mm -hmm. it's a bit much. Mm -hmm. um, Mark just showed these to Brianna recently and I'm like, okay, I'll come. the funny thing is I'll come in and I'll watch certain scenes. I'm like, oh yeah, that was in the book. That was important. Mm -hmm. This is just going to go on for another 45 minutes. I'm gone. I will say that something the movies did right though is they got Stephen Colbert in them, who is evidently a huge 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 fan was it Steve Col yeah it was Colbert yes Colbert that's that's fine that's that's fine um I think the movies are honestly they're so they're shameless pretty. plug they're sure shameless plug for Lindsay Ellis who I desperately hope notices me one day because I love her she does a three-part series that actually got I think Hugo nominated she did a three-part series on like the Hobbit movies being bad that I think is some of the best like cinematography and YouTube stuff ever done. That's actually in the uh, show notes for me. Uh, there's, it's bad. It's just, it's bad filmmaking. There are some good choices that were made, but like just overall, it is an autopsy and bad filmmaking and bad adaptation. Um, not from the director's standpoint, but honestly a lot from the studio standpoint. Well, they wanted to make more money off it. I mean, I remember yeah. going to Comic-Con when they had the... Oh, Comic-Con got canceled. Anyway. There's there's um, a pandemic. Stop. There's a pandemic. No, but I, I remember them having all these costumes from Lord of the Rings. I mean, um, God, I can't think of the name of the studio right now. 
but they literally took out a massive booth, which is thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. just to display costumes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was, if you were really into it, it was amazing. If you mm-hmm. weren't really into it, you're like, all right. I mean, that's cool. Um, yeah. I feel like the Hobbit and Lord of, like, I feel like the Hobbit is more accessible and more people can get into it versus Lord of the Rings. I feel like you either love or hate Lord of the Rings a lot like Game of Thrones. It's like you're either in it for the long haul, you are there mm-hmm. for it, you will listen to all the songs, mm-hmm. you are ready to go, or you're like, I feel like I have to power through this because I have to. Um, um, I think that's true for the books. I think for the movies, Lord of the Rings is so tight. Yeah, I, I mean specifically yeah. the books. Okay, yes. For, the, yes, for the for the books, I think The Hobbit is a little bit more acceptable uh and accessible i think movies i would honestly kind of say maybe watch the first one of the hobbit and then ignore the others except for benedict cumberbatch having the best time of his life oh my gosh yes so there's actually lead us into the next question yes there's a whole meme about this that i'll go ahead and include on the website um Mm -hmm. this is kind of an inside joke with crystal who asked the question um will benedict cumberbatch ever come down the answer is never the answer is never um when they were talking about how much money they were going to spend on doing the adaptation for smog about the dragon and all that kind of work. Um, they're like, how the hell are they going to spend this much money doing the screen work for this? And mm-hmm. there was somebody who wrote, well, that's just because Benedict Cumberbatch would never come down from being a dragon. And it's a hundred percent accurate. I feel. Yeah. Like there's, if you ever want, like, if you want to just have a good time, watch the behind the scenes stuff of him just like on his belly, like slithering around and hissing. Like it's the best acting I've ever seen him do, which isn't a very high bar. Cause I don't think he's a great actor. Um, shocking, but he had a great time as Smaug. So he will never come down. He's having too much fun, uh, shrieking and setting fire to things. All right. We have a lot of questions from Jason, which is awesome. Oh, so Jason, our patron, has decided to give himself a name because he has power. Would you like to know the name our patron has decided to give himself? What is it? Baron Von Cheeseplate. Baron Von Cheeseplate. So we are only going to refer to him from now on as Baron Von Cheeseplate? This is true. So Thank you, Baron Von Cheeseplate. Thank you, Baron Von Cheeseplate. Uh, first question. Do you think that due to the way Tolkien wrote the whole Middle Earth world that The Hobbit has suffered from revisionist history, either from Tolkien himself or from Christopher? Ah, Christopher being his son. Ah, probably. Probably not a lot, but like, I mean, just by the nature of editing and the author is dead, probably. Am I wrong for assuming that? No, um, and a lot of the backstory and information and stuff like that, that Tolkien wrote in his notebooks mm-hmm. ended up getting published by Christopher and his other son as well mm-hmm. and there was some editing that went through that so mm-hmm. because you know they can't just publish his notebook I mean I guess they could but they tried that with uh, Kurt Cobain and that didn't go so well anyway no, it okay. I like his second question a lot do you think mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis and the other Inklings had as much influence in The Hobbit or was influence greater on them I think it's a pretty fair mix yeah, I think it's a two-way street. I think, I think if anything, Tolkien probably benefited a lot from some editing. And, and then think, the, uh, hmm? I was going to say, and Tolkien also got on Lewis's ass about a lot of stuff. Why the fuck is Father Christmas in your books? Why is this in here? 
what's wrong with you? Why is Jesus a lion? Like, can it, I tell you? And that vice that versa. Is, can I tell you that that's like my favorite joke from Robot Chicken ever? Is how dare you say something like that to the Jesus allegory lion? Like that's that's like my favorite Robot Chicken joke that I think was ever made. Did you see was, that that meme of Lewis and Tolkien if they were on? um like instant messenger together i think i put that on facebook a while ago i think you did the whole thing of um uh, (laughs) block hey unblock me real quick unblock you a bitch (laughs) yeah i I shared that because like you're accurate like they're they're very much but but they loved each other they adored each other they like took care of each other but still it was like that friend thing where it's like come on no back up Mm-hmm. Third question. Yes, third question. Let's see. Third question. How much world influence, specifically J.R.R. Tolkien participating in World World War One, not World War Two, uh, impacted things pre and post Hobbit publication? Ah, uh, probably a lot. If you watch the most recent biopic of for Tolkien there's a whole part with um where you know he's in the war and he's seeing like a dragon and he's out doing certain things and that's part of it um Tolkien's whole story about um Luthien and Baron mm-hmm. partially started because he saw Edith dancing in the woods with him like it's little things in his life that he would pick up mm-hmm. so I definitely feel that the world around him had a major impact um mm-hmm. I think that's partially why Bilbo Baggins lived alone. I think that's why there are certain, that he writes all the time about Samwise being super into Rosie. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel bad because I feel like I'm throwing a lot of Lord of the Rings crap in here too. Um, I mean, but like, you can't, and you you can't separate the two. And I think it's a a fool's errand to think that you can. I think because of the movies we now don't know what came first it's like a chicken and egg thing but i don't think that you can separate the two i don't think that you're meant to like it is so cpg gray did a video where he talks about this stuff and like realistically the reading order for this should be silmarillion hobbit lord of the rings like if there's like an ideal world order reading list you should do the silmarillion first then you should read Hobbit, and then you should read Lord of the Rings, but not because Hobbit is a prequel, it just does a better job of, like, fleshing out this world, but because of how we got the movies, we got the Lord of the Rings first, and then the Hobbit, so the Hobbit just doesn't make sense in places, because it's trying to retell a story, retell, air quotes, a story that we already had more concisely and better, and with hotter actors for the most part what i still like i still want to cosplay it as um thorindel which is interesting because in the hobbit it's just referred to as the elf king anyway um follow-up question do you think the world of middle earth suffered from ptsd post world war ii with chris being in combat um Mm -hmm. his son Mm -hmm. um with all the expansions jr or tolkien put into lord of the rings from the hobbit i think that there you can see elements of it Mm-hmm. I think you can see how hard people run from war, mm-hmm. um, even when others are like, no, we need you to be part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was a crazy time. A lot of people lost family members. Um, pretty much almost everyone lost family members. Mm-hmm. Um, World War One and World War Two were particularly nasty pieces of work. Mm-hmm. So I think it's almost impossible to create a world writing in that time period without having some of those effects. And I think we're going to see, like you see a lot of this too um, with like Hemingway and Fitzgerald and stuff, The Lost Generation, you feel Mm -hmm. that insecurity in their work. And I think we're actually going to see a lot of that in the next 10 to 15 years following this pandemic, um, where there's going to be a lot of works about either being quarantined or being trapped or being, Mm -hmm. you know, food shortages and stuff like that. And you see a lot of that in Russian literature, like modern Russian literature and anything written post- Mm-hmm. Post Lenin and Stalin is the like concepts of like food shortages and people falling into their cups because it's the only way to make it through the day. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see, unfortunately, a lot of that coming up. Um, and there's also going to be a lot of um, works that try and counter that directly. And you'll see oh, probably a lot of stuff that comes out that's very light and airy. Um, and it's probably going to get made fun of a lot. But it's going yeah. to be people trying desperately to make some sort of understanding about losing friends and family and mm-hmm. trying to take these crazy precautions. And I'm not saying they're crazy because they are like not a good idea. I think they're an incredible idea, but it's it's very difficult for people who have, especially in the United States where we have this concept of personal freedom and this concept of, you know, individualism. Um, you don't have that necessarily as strong in some other countries and you'll see that they're recovering a little bit faster because they're used to, I was told that we need to do this, we're doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, Meanwhile, in Huntington Beach, California, you have people protesting in the streets that there is no actual COVID-19 virus, but they're still wearing face masks. Right. Um, I think think the thing that I've noticed the most with this is um, almost the sort of using fantasy to run away from the reality of how horrible war is. And I can relate to that a lot because uh, hashtag same. There's a reason why, like, after the loss of my father, I watched a lot of anime because I was trying to run away from those feelings. Um, also finding more constructive ways to deal with it. Um, I do think that it's interesting. So, like, when you read The Silmarillion, it talks like the ages of man and everything like that. Like, I think you can almost feel this sense of like looming PTSD in the entire world of Tolkien's work, but he's desperately trying to be optimistic about it. It's just hard to do. Um, So I definitely recommend if you have not read the Silmarillion um, to do so. It's, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot, but I do recommend if you have not read it to go ahead and go for it. So before we get into adaptations and resources, because we have a lot of resources, mm-hmm. um, did you have to read this in school? No, um, but as I've mentioned, I'm a, a Tolkien nerd, but I mostly, so here's my thing with fantasy. I don't tend to like fantasy mostly because a lot of fantasy works don't give a lot of thought to their worlds, um, but I think it may, so when I do list fantasy works that I like, they're usually worlds that are really, really thought out. So, like, I like Harry Potter when J.K. Rowling was quiet and didn't keep trying to retcon things. Um, I like comic books because usually comic books have more thought put into them. Um, So it's weird that, like, I'm a Tolkien nerd 
again, Silmarillion Lane is my favorite, and I live a little bit like a hobbit, mostly just because I eat a lot. Though I think we've decided that I would probably be an elf. You're definitely an elf. I would be a hobbit or a dwarf. The dwarf. <laughs> but probably more a hobbit, though, because I like to be left alone. I don't want to go out of a house. I want to eat. I want to drink. I want to hang out with my friends, but I don't want people in my house eating my food. That's fair. I don't think that I would be as racist as most of the elves, though. Yeah, I don't think you would be as racist as most of the elves either. I think you you would be more like a Rivendell elf and way less of a Mirkwood elf. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. Okay, I didn't have to read this in high school, but I read it for fun. Um, and I really greatly enjoyed it. And then I went and I bought the giant-ass Lord of the Rings collection, and I remember talking to the guy at the counter at Barnes & Noble who I thought I was flirting with, who ended up being my boss later. Mm-hmm. And like, no, there was no flirting there. Thank God, that would have been awkward. Anyway, mm-hmm. so a lot, lot of adaptations, a lot of stuff. Um, I'm going to definitely include the Leonard Nimoy Bilbo Baggins video. Because it's the greatest thing that has ever existed. It is both traumatizing and an earworm that you won't be able to forget. I sing it randomly in the house for fun. Um, Thug Notes actually did a really good version of this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the Lindsay Ellis videos, which I'm going to include. The CPS mm-hmm. Gray videos, which are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, because I hate myself, I'm going to put the epic rap battle between Tolkien and George R. R. Martin in it. It's so good, though! It is so good, though. So I have a love-hate relationship with the epic rap battles because my husband loves them and will record them and put them in his car with his major bass stereo and be blasting it. And I'm like, stop it. No, because I will tell you how many people have sent me Doctor Who and Hannibal Lecter. Like, I was like, stop, you're done. I think some of them are really, really bad. And some of them, like, are definitely ones that I don't like. But the ones that I like, I think are actually, like, amazing. And the Tolkien versus George R.R. Martin, I think, is, like, amazing. So there's a really good video by Mojo Party, which is 10 Epic Facts About Tolkien, which I will include, which was really good and had a lot Mm -hmm. of information that I had no concept of. Um, mm-hmm. Biographics did a really good version. I didn't look for Crash Course, but I will put the Crash Course mythology one that we were talking about. Um, there, yeah, I don't think that there's a Crash Course literature on this one, but there's definitely some talk about this stuff in Crash Course mythology. If you haven't watched Crash Course mythology, uh, go ahead and uh, give it a gander. It's really, really good. It's one of the less popular of the Crash Courses. I don't know why, but it's really, really good. So I will say. There are so many soundscape options now on YouTube. And I mean, there's even entire websites where you can make your own Prancing Pony soundtrack for a bar. You can do the Green Dragon, like all these little bars and stuff that are in the books. There are just entire playlists of the Howard Shore music in the Shire. And I cry every single time. I'm like, it's fine. Um, what's also a fun fact, um, Howard Shore is also the same composer who did Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. So I remember being like, man, Silence of the Lambs is just like this incredible soundtrack. I wonder who did it. And I pull it up and I'm like, okay, Hannibal Lecter and the Hobbit have a little bit in common. We can handle this. I'm not shocked. No shock here. So as we mentioned a little bit earlier, we are not going to announce our next book. That mm-hmm. is going to be a fun little surprise for the stay at home con mm-hmm. um, or stay in your house. Ho- what is it? Stay in your house or stay at home? 
Stay inside. Stay inside. Um, so we will continue to promote that and send you links and all that kind of fun stuff. And then um, when, after we're done with that, we will announce a new book as well. Yep. If you have suggestions of like happy-go-lucky stories that you want us to take a look at or anything like that, please feel free to email us at unfortunatelyrequiredreading at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I realized how depressing the most literature options that they made us read in school were until we started doing this podcast. Well, and I also think that um, I wasn't expecting for my mental illness to take a turn the way it did with the pandemic. So I like having the levity of being able to decide, uh, maybe let's not cover a book about, uh, like, let's not do the yellow wallpaper right now. Yeah, that doesn't I was, sound like a good idea. I was like, let's do the yellow wallpaper. And then I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to put myself through that right now. Yeah. And so we have some internal housekeeping that I'm going to hold you hostage for. Okay. We have four authors that have not been sorted. Oh. So we will start with William Golding. Where does he belong? Is he a Hufflepuff? I don't think he's a Hufflepuff. Uh, I don't want him with us. I feel like he's a Gryffindor. I'm fine with that. Okay. Hold on. I'm adding him to the list right now while I'm here because we have let this go too far. I'm going to tell you right now, Tolkien is a straight Ravenclaw. Sure. 100% there is no fighting that. Okay, I'm not going to fight you. <laughs> He's I'm like, hey, fight you. hey, I'm going to make up my own language, and then I'm also going to create 2,000 years of history of a, a fictional world. Does that work for everybody? Uh, okay. Yeah, you go ahead. Camus. He's a Slytherin. Okay. He can sit with us. Yeah, he can definitely sit with us. Tom Stopper. Tom, <laughs> Tom Stoppard is hard to classify. He feels like he's more one of the professors. Um, <laughs> I think I would. No, you him Hufflepuff. I was gonna say he's like a Huffleclaw. I'm putting him in Hufflepuff. Okay. Um, okay. My my daughter likes to tell me all the time that she's a Hufflepuff or a Slitherpuff. Because she's she, a Slitherpuff, yes. She's, she was sorted into Hufflepuff, but the child has some very devious conniving tendencies, so. Okay. I think we're caught up now. Okay. Okay. So we're back on track. Okay. So I was like, we have let this go too far. We stopped sorting authors, and I will not let this list continue to suffer because... I'm curious. So we have Tom Stoppard and Hufflepuff. We have William Golding and Gryffindor. Albert Camus can sit with us. And Tolkien is obviously a Ravenclaw. Okay. okay. Awesome. So we've already talked about our secretive next book a little bit. We have. Um, you know what's really funny? It's just being like, it's going to be a book that involves the hero's journey and then back away. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be a book that talks about the hero's journey. And also, if you know anything about us, it's probably zero surprise once we actually get there. Right. Like, so if you know anything about us in real life, which many of you do, once, once the cat is out of the bag, it will be approximately no shock or surprise to anyone. It'll be like, Lord. Okay, so we are all over social media. We're also... Yes. 
fairly active since we're inside all the time. Um, you can find us at Unfortunately Required Reading on Facebook, Unfortunately mm-hmm. RR on Twitter, Unfortunately Required on Instagram, mm-hmm. and UnfortunatelyRequiredReading.com, where you go if you decide that you don't want to bug or bother digging through for everything else. You can just click from there. Um, yeah. We also are have our own bookshop on bookshop.org, which you can link to from our website yes. and our own Redbubble store. So if you're dying for a t-shirt or one of our travel mugs, which I'm going to photograph and put on the Instagram again today, because mm-hmm. um, I thought that it would be super fun to have a bunch of cups in my house, and I do. Um, yeah. Oh, there is a there is a little bit of social media housekeeping. We just passed 800 followers on Twitter. Woo! Thank you so much, guys. So thank you all for uh, supporting us. Um, we know that this is a crazy time. Trust us, we're a little crazy too. Uh, I say this every time we record. I'm very, very happy that we can continue this podcast because uh, it's something to look forward to and something to do. Um, I'm excited to do a air quotes live show and uh, we're going to keep uh, chugging along. Yep. Um and again, thank you guys for your recommendations for things like a Midsummer Night's Dream and things mm-hmm. like that, where you're like, hey, I know something that I want covered. We do yeah, appreciate well, that. I listen to you sometimes. Now, if you tell us you want me to read Twilight, no, I'm sorry. I, I read oh, that when it came out. And additionally, I... <laughs> additionally, there was a promise made early into this podcast that if Victoria read Fifty Shades of Grey, that I would read Grey. Now, like any good Mr. Darcy slash Dom, I have not done my punishment. So, what I need is your help, dear listener. If there is a particular passage from the horrible, horrible book Grey, which is Fifty Shades of Grey from Christian's perspective, I need you to give those to me, and I will record my audio, and I will read it, and I will let all of you enjoy this horrible, humiliating thing that I have to do. Because, again, like most doms, I have ignored the fact that I was meant to be punished. But I have a conscience somewhere, and I should rightfully submit, because I am at very least a man of my word. All right, everybody. We hope you're doing well. Yeah, we Continue do. to wear your masks. Continue to wash your hands. Yep. Stay inside as you can. Thank you so much to our people who have to be out. Um, Just some housekeeping. Be nice to the people at the grocery store who work there. It's not their fault if something isn't in stock, dude. Can I just honestly say at this stage, just be nice. Like, yeah. I mean, yes, to, I mean, to, to definitely to service people, to essential personnel, like just in general, to everyone, chill the fuck out. (laughs) everyone is stressed out everyone is tired not everyone is as evil as they seem like they're behaving um and for me which i am worse i was gonna say we're not talking about donald trump but this is already a political podcast half the time anyway um but but um in regards to just like i i work in some elements of customer service throughout the day Mm -hmm. and it is a common thing that we have to remind ourselves on a regular basis at this point of this person is not trying to be ugly. This person is in a position they've never been in before. They're scared, they're angry, and they don't know what to do about it. Mm -hmm. (coughs) No, that is not a license for people to be assholes. 
No. No. Be nice. Be kind. You have no idea the day that everyone has had. This is true. Uh, most, much like in the killing joke, everyone in theory is one bad day away from uh, losing it. So let's just be cognizant of that. Chill the fuck out. Don't be a dick. Um, so yeah, we have uh, a live next week. I'm excited about it. We're going to get through this. We can do this. All right. Now, uh, for the love of God, go read a book. <laughs>